Well, aloha and welcome back to the Price for Paradise podcast. With me as always, I got my buddy Walker Ramsey, aloha. my co-host and former teammate. And today we have a special guest with us, author, mindset coach, nonprofit organizer, Jim Murphy, the author of Inner Excellence. Uh, he's a mindset coach for uh, people on the PGA Tour, professional athletes. Um, he's a great guy, wrote an awesome book with a bunch of nuggets. I'm gonna give you a quote from the book right now. Uh, the pursuit of an extraordinary performance and the pursuit of the best possible life are the same path. And mm. I want to just dive into that a little bit deeper with you, Jim. So how you doing, my man? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to have you, bro. So, yeah, I can tell you about that if you want, that that path. Yeah, please. So that path, that path for me started when I was a kid dreaming about being a Major League Baseball player, NFL player, um, NBA. And I knew when I was young that I always wanted to be a pro athlete. And that was, um, in my mind, my destiny. And so when I got drafted by the Chicago Cubs, it was a dream come true. But also a lot of, um, a lot of pressure because it became my – it was. It really became uh, ingrained as my identity when I signed with the Cubs. And when your identity is wrapped up in your performance, then you've got a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And, and uh, that really impacted my life. So I played for five years, um, minor league baseball. But to get to your question, so I, 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 um, after my career was over and I was really struggling for what am I going to do with my life, I, I go to the desert in Arizona and um, I broke up with my girlfriend, got rid of over half my possessions, including my TV. And, and uh, oh, wow. this was back when we didn't have streaming, streaming and things like that. So mm -hmm. it was um, it was a lonely life. Like my first I remember New Year's hearing a noise. I was in my in this house alone and I hear a noise and I go outside and I see um, fireworks. And that's when I realized it was New Year's Eve. So um, yeah, I was there two and a half years. And and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty lonely. Wow. But um, my what I decided to do when I was in the desert after my career as a professional athlete was over was well, I wanted to have some solitude and stillness, which is now one of the nine disciplines of inner excellence to create space in your life. And um, so I uh, and I didn't want to have a TV because then I thought, you know, the worst possible outcome of my going to the desert and, and having solitude was that I wasted watching TV. So. I wanted to be alone with my thoughts and really come face to face with my fears and dreams and figure out who I was and, and find something that I could devote my life to. And so when I was there, I decided to become a personal coach to pro um, baseball players and teach them how to have peace and confidence under pressure. And um, my first two athletes did amazing. And so then I thought, I'm going to call up a sports psychologist and ask him, how can an Olympic athlete train for four years for an event that may last less than a minute and have peace and confidence mm -hmm. in that situation? Right. The, actually, the initial question was, how can a major league baseball player in game seven of the World Series, bases loaded down by one full count, two outs, <laughs> how can that guy have peace and confidence in that situation? And both of them brought a lot more questions and answers. And so I called another psychologist, then another and another. And I spent the next five years in full time writing and researching that question for 60, 70, 80 hours a week for five years straight. And that became the book Inner Excellence. But what I learned, in the, that five years, one of the biggest things that I learned is that the heart is the key to performance and not just performance, but to your life, your heart, your heart is where your greatest dreams and greatest fears are. And so it's not just, we're not just this, this, um, 
computer in our head that's churning out thoughts. We're, we're far deeper than that. And, and if you really want to coach someone well or to understand yourself or others, then we need to understand the heart because the heart is a source of all of our actions and, and fears and, and dreams. And so that, that quote about the path was a huge, um, is really a revolutionary idea for me is that because I, when I was there, I was not studying how to live an extraordinary life. I was assuming that an extraordinary life was the byproduct of being very successful. And so successful meaning, you know, accumulating finances and things and stuff and being able to take trips to Europe and, and, you know, doing what I want with my life and travel and, and have a lot of stuff. And then, and having all the guys want to be me and having all the girls want to be with me and, and uh, make millions of dollars and be on the cover of magazines. And, and that's what I thought was the best possible life. And what I found out later was what I, I really wanted, but didn't know it was that I really wanted to be fully alive and the best moments in my life that, you know, with were the relationships that I had and these great moments where I felt really athletic and, and hit the ball in the sweet spot and made a diving catch and, and uh, pursued a common goal with my team. It's, it's the feeling of, of feeling fully alive. And so that path of high performance under pressure was, is the path I was studying. And I wanted to write the best book ever and become an expert on mental toughness and how to have peace and confidence under pressure. And then in that pursuit, I started to realize that what good is it for me to help someone win an Olympic gold medal or become world number one if they're filled with anxiety and stress and fear and, and uh, their inner world is in turmoil? Did I really help them? Did I do anything for them? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I didn't want to devote my life to something that was not meaningful. And so, but then when I realized that the path to the most peace and confidence under the most pressure and the path to the best possible life is the same path, that got me really excited. <laughs> and the best possible life, let me define it for you. I know I've talked a lot, but the best possible life. There's two ways I'm going to define it for you. One is, is to live a life of deep contentment, joy, and confidence, independent of circumstances. And the wow. other way to define it is a life filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's To me, I think that's the best possible life because why would you want a $10 million home on the ocean with all that all the fun that that brings if you didn't have the great inner world, yes. the peace and joy and the connections and the, the life. Yeah. Completely agree. That brings up a question um, on my end, as far as, you know, I know you mentioned um, kind of how, you know, performance anxiety starts to set in. Let's, you know, we all dream of the bases loaded, two outs, you know, winning runs on third base in the backyard, you're playing with your buddies. And at that point, like you're making up those scenarios because you want that pressure. You, you, you want to feel what it's like to then maybe actually being in that situation down the road. And it's a completely different mind, mindset. I mean, people get, you know, very heady in those situations. So what's, where's the transition taking place from craving the pressure, wanting to be in that situation to then actually being in the situation and being able to control your actual headspace. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. 
um, the pro the progression starts when you're really young. And I wrote about this in the book and how you're playing football or basketball or baseball at recess and you're just having so much fun. And then you play after school and there's parents watching and, and it's not just recess. There's parents watching. Now they're going to start to talk about you and hey, hey, Jimmy, you did really good or, or better luck next time, Jimmy. And you start to realize that I play really well, people are going to love me and praise me and give me hugs and high fives. And if I play really poorly and we lose, people are going to go quiet. And so then, then that starts to get me thinking. And then we start to travel and we go, we go play uh, Seuss Creek down the road in elementary. And then we're like, Oh, okay. Now we're going to become a bigger deal. We get to go in these buses and people are going to travel to watch us. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then you get older, you start to see your name in the newspaper or the teacher might say, uh, Hey, Jimmy, that, that was a great game yesterday. And then, so it becomes a bigger and bigger deal when it's still the same game, but mentally it starts to become a bigger deal in your heart. Builds and then, and then your identity starts to get wrapped around it, that that love, I can get the, our deepest need as a human is to be fully known and fully loved. And we start to get uh, brainwashed into thinking that the, what I need most is to get that love through mm. performing better and that my value is tied to my performance. Right. And so it's a, it's a real strong, um, energy and culture in, in North America. So it's the progression of exposure ultimately, you know, from, you know, just playing in the backyard to then, like you said, parents are coming and they're talking about everybody else. And then at some point, if you get the opportunity to play college, you know, there's headlines and stuff about your performance or your, your good performance or your poor performance. And then it just starts to, starts to kind of snowball like that. That, that makes a lot more sense. And you, yeah, you start to focus. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, all you, all you go. <laughs> you start to focus on things that you can't control, which is, is, uh, um, every result because every, um, every goal that you ever set and every result you ever get is all in the past and future. Mm. And it's not in your full control. And so now we start to think about, well, I'm in the back of my mind, I know I can't fully control this result. I know I may lose the love of my teammates or coaches or family or parents as parents, especially if I don't do good here. And it's, it's, it's really a subconscious thing. And it's super common with parents, unfortunately, in their attempt to love their children, they give them hugs and high fives when they play well. And then, then they kind of pat them on the head, uh, maybe next time, Jimmy, which really subconsciously is taking the love away because the, the kid sees, oh, my parent isn't happy now because I didn't play well. And, and but when I do play well, they are happy. And so it's this giving and taking away of love that's subconscious and, and is really impactful. Great point. Great point. Super powerful. And then you talked about inner worlds earlier and how we can develop them so that when we do get in these situations growing up, how we can manage these situations. So how... Talk to us about how you can develop those inner worlds. Yeah. Um, Angela Duckworth is, uh, she wrote a book called grit and, and, uh, great books. She, she was talking about, so grit is really passion and perseverance. And, and she's mm -hmm. talking about on a podcast about goal, uh, goal hierarchies. And, uh, and what she meant was say you, you, uh, um, are exercising. Why are you exercising? Cause you want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? It's because you want more energy. And so um, you want more energy so you can have a better life and have um, 
be more outgoing and be able to do more things and climb more mountains or whatever you want to do. And so it's this, so we've got this progression of goals, uh, our hierarchy that I'm doing A because I actually want to get to C or D. I, I want to be able to climb more mountains or I want to be able to, to do more things. And that's why I'm doing this, this uh, exercise. And so, um, and tell me, tell me, remind me of the question again. Uh, I just, how do we develop the inner worlds um, so that when we're in the situations of the seventh in, or the ninth inning, bases loaded, like how we can handle that stress in that state? Yeah. And so, okay. So getting back to the goal hierarchy. So that's why it's so important to, to understand well, what's at the top. What's at the very top for all of us? Why am I doing this? Why am I going to work on Monday? Why am I going to the baseball field or, or the, uh, um, the golf course or whatever I'm going to do? What is it that I really want? So in the book, I asked a question about that house I mentioned earlier. So what if you, um, if you have the choice to, between two things, one was the $10 million home on the ocean. I, I was in uh, on a Seattle ferry a few years ago when I was writing the book, writing this revised edition of Inner Excellence. And uh, I saw this, this house, and this beautiful home. And I started to think about this question. Would I rather have a $10 million home on the ocean and completely paid off and uh, all the normal concerns of, of that person? Or would I rather have, rather live in an apartment with no savings the rest of my life, paycheck to paycheck, but be guaranteed deep contentment, joy, and confidence independent of circumstances every day, the rest of my life, mm. which would I rather have? And so I can tell you most of my life, I would have chosen the house. And the reason is I never really thought about, well, what, what, having the normal concerns and, and anxieties of that person, that's nothing. I don't have any problems with that. Like, unless you've really had deep anxiety or lack of inner peace, then likely you'll choose the house. But if you've had had uh, real anxiety, then you're going to start think twice about it. And, and I think everyone should really think deeply about it. There's there's no right or wrong. I just I think it's so important because what I help people do is clarify what they want most, and I help them get it, and I help them go direct to it. And if you if you do choose the house, like I I would have chosen most of my life, um, then ask yourself, uh, what if no one could ever see the house? Would I still want it? What if I couldn't have any parties and people couldn't come over and say, <laughs> oh, man, Jim, this is such a beautiful house. You're such a successful person. We love you. Uh, how can we, uh, um, can you tell us more about your life and how we can be like you? Um, you know, subtle words like that. What if no one could ever see it and no one could ever know you had it? Would you still want that huge house? It's a lot of cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a great point right there. Yeah. Um, so I have, I just kind of have a question for, cause it just seems like, I mean, uh, I can't wait to read your book. So actually we, we, we planned on, on having this podcast as Woody having read the book, he handed it off to me. So it's got all of, all of his highlighted notes and everything like that, that I'm going to review once this podcast is over with and, and, uh, you know, really just be able to dissect everything. Um, but I'd like to just ask you, you know, do you have, um, daily practices, daily routines? Do you, do you meditate on a daily basis? Because it seems like with your work, your line of work, um, you know, mindset, obviously all of that is a very, very integral part. Um, and do you have kind of, uh, 
anchors or, or just things that kind of get you grounded day to day, like with your daily routines or, or does it vary? Like is one day maybe different than the other? You need, you need a different exercise, you know, one day as opposed to another, because maybe you got more on your plate or, um, you know, does that question kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can tell you that, uh, I do have routines and disciplines and interactual ones is, is really, that's what it's all about. If yeah. you don't have a clear plan, intentional plan to devote your life to what's most important to you in the very end, then you're going to get sucked into results and circumstances and uh, your, your life is going to be as stable as those results and circumstances are. And I've been that way most of my life. And, and my, like I said, my identity has been attached to my performance and my role for most of my life. Right. And I've been caught up in circumstances and results most of my life. So if my, when I wake up and, you know, check the email or check uh, my phone and, and uh, if I like my results and circumstances, then I feel okay. If I don't, then I don't feel okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I try hard to get those results and circumstances better. And, but the problem is this world that we live in so much, if not most is out of our control, the result and circumstances world, the world that mm-hmm. I call the third world. And so, um, for most of my life, my, how I felt about myself and how I felt during the day emotionally was based on that third world. And it's not a stable life. And so, uh, I've created nine disciplines and, and there's a book that I'll be coming out with called how to brush your teeth and live out the nine disciplines of inner excellence. And uh, I like the title um, of that book. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The title how to brush your teeth is, is really based on the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing you do before you go to bed should be to think about the primary, the top goal in your life, the purpose of your life. What is my life about? And that, that should be as routine as brushing your teeth. Oh, I like it. That's awesome. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So would you like to hear about some of these disciplines? Please unload. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so there's nine disciplines in, in inner excellence. So the first one is to examine your life and and um, to really think about what you want most. What what is your purpose? What is the the great end in your life? That that when your life is over, you're 85 in that rocking chair, and you're looking back in your life. Why were you put on this earth? What what is the call in your life? And and uh, because there's no one in the world that can do what you can do. There's no one in the world that has your relationships, your experiences, your understandings, your beliefs, your connections that can do what you can do. Not a single other person in the world can do it. And so you have this unique gift and calling to give to the world. And when you're walking in that gift and calling, it's this love that's fearless. And so what I um, want to help people do is to walk more in that calling and that that fearless love. And so it first starts with examining your life and, and really narrowing it down to one sentence. Wow. So that's number one, examine your life. Do you mind if I interject real quick and and ask a quick question? Um, So for those of, you know, there's a lot of people struggling with finding their purpose and there's a lot of different exercises you can do mindfulness practice to to try and get to that point of what my life purpose is, you know? 
Um, do you find one exercise um, more effective than, you know, there's a ton of them. There's meditations, there's, you know, you can get, you can find a mindset coach. Do you find one is more effective than any of the other ones? Cause there's a lot of people, especially right now um, struggling with their purpose in life, you know, all the pandemic going on and, and this and that, and the other thing, like, is there a, a um, you know, something you have to offer those people or will yeah, that absolutely. be addressed in, so, the, in the next nine or X eight <laughs> principles? Well, it, it all kind of revolves around that, but, but I can okay. share with you what we do. So I lead inner excellence retreats with new clients and, and also with, with uh, um, leadership teams and families and one of the things that we do is I help people clarify that in, in the retreat. So they're walking away with, with some clarity on, on uh, their mission going forward. Sure. And as part of that process, what we do is one of the things we look at is how you want to feel in your life. And because does how you feel impact how you perform? 100%. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And so... Um, I want to know, I want to get clear with, with everyone that I work with and talk to, how do you want to feel in your life? And it's, it's very common, very similar to most people want to feel very, very similar. And most people want the same stuff. And so like, think about like, what do you guys would be in Walker want most? Like, would you like to have a, a meaningful, fulfilling life with, with, deep enriching relationships and incredible experiences where you're learning and growing and sharing that with the world? Or is that not interesting to you? That sounds pretty <laughs> interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's pr pretty common. Like, like who would say no to that? Like, no, I, I don't want any of that. So yeah. that's people really, we really have the same deep needs, same deep desires and, and the same fears. And it's, it's universal all over the world. Yeah. And so getting clear on how they want to feel and how they want to live, how you want to live is important as well. And when I think of how, I want to live. One of the things I, I, I don't want to do is live in fear. And I'll give you an example. Uh, a friend of mine, Joshua, we were playing golf in San Diego the other day. And, and uh, I was had a car full of, of my stuff because I'm moving from Anthem, Arizona near Phoenix to, uh, um, well, I'm bringing it back to the Seattle area. And then we'll see what, what happens next from there. But I was like, I'm not sure what to do with my I don't, my car. I don't want to leave it overnight in San Diego. A couple of weeks ago, my my forerunner car rental car, they stole the catalytic converter from it, and I have an SUV too that's also easy to get underneath, and and it's also full of stuff. So I don't know if I want to leave it outside. And and uh, essentially, Joshua Joshua Medcalf, his, his name, he said. Um, you really, you really want to live in fear like that? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> exactly right. I don't want to live in fear like that. And, and so the idea is, is I, I do want to be a good steward of what I've been given, but also I do not want to be attached to any possessions. Mm. And it's, it's like when I, um, a couple of routines that I, I have, um, when I come back to my house, so I travel a lot. Um, majority of my life is, is, uh, travel at least the last 10 years and so come back to my house i just sold my little retreat center in, in little point robert washington outside of vancouver bc but when i would come back after a trip before i get to the house i would thank god say a little prayer thank you god for this this a beautiful place you've given me mm -hmm. and if i come home and the windows are broken the doors are open and everything's gone thank you for the time i've had it without that happening 
Wow. Same thing with, with uh, parking at a mall. You know, when you go to a mall and you're there for a couple hours and, you know, in, in the States, you can come back and, and someone could have broken into your car, right? It wouldn't be uncommon. And so same thing before I get back to my car, thank you God for this car you've given me. If the windows are broken and people took what things out of it, then, then thank you for all this time. I've had it that, that, that hasn't happened. And then, um, if I see it's fine, then I'm like, Oh, thank you. That's amazing. And, um, because gratitude is is so crucial. It's so close to inner peace and inner peace is so close to Mm -hmm. inner strength. And, and really what I teach people is, is how to develop inner strength. And so that inner strength, inner peace and gratitude connection is so strong. And so we want to find ways to develop that gratitude. And, and, and gratitude is really just realizing the truth about who you are and what you've been given. Um, because you can think about, let, let's take Michael Phelps, for example. Here's a guy who's, who's um, got more gold medals than, than um, many or most countries. <laughs> and so how did he get those gold medals? Obviously, he's, he's, uh, he trained extremely hard. Um, but what were the main factors? in him getting those gold medals, like the main factors, the biggest ones. And so let's, um, let's look at what if he was born in Afghanistan 400 years ago, what are the chances of him winning an Olympic gold medal? Right. Yeah. Like the circumstance is very Uh, powerful. There is, uh, there was no Olympics 400 years ago. And so, you know, kind of win a gold medal and then likely he's living in poverty and, and, uh, um, so his chances of, of doing any of that are zero if that's when he was born and where he was born, right? And, so, and what did he do to get to be born in the United States at the time he did to the parents and coaches and um, environment that he was born into? So he didn't do anything for that. The most important part of how he got that, he did nothing. And so I'm not taking anything away from Michael because he's, he's you know, the most prolific Olympian <laughs> ever. And so, and, and obviously he's, he worked really hard, but um, it's just to understand that how the most things in your life that, that have been uh, really, really good. Um, it's all been um, largely not to your doing. Hmm. Wow. That's even a lot to chew on right there. Even yeah. if you're like, you say you worked 15 hours a day for 10 years straight. Well, my sister couldn't do that. She's in a wheelchair. Like she, she can't run and, and like, Mm-mm. would she like to work 15 hours a day for 10 years straight? Well, if it was that, if she could walk, she would gladly do that, but that wasn't her choice. And then yeah. who, who would give you a, a mind that could be motivated and a heart, I should say, that's motivated to work all those hours that can see and push yourself that long. Like, do you give yourself that, that heart and mind? Well, you trained. But in the end, the, there has to be something inside you that that's that you were given that allowed you to have that motivation to start with to think maybe that's something that I could do. Wow, uh, very true, hmm. very cool, awesome. Well, um, can we go into the the next pillars? Yes, uh, yes. So number two is simplify your life. Simplify your life is is getting it down to that one sense. Examine your life is really getting clear on what you want most in your life and and. Uh, um, where you're, where you're, um, where you're lacking in that area and where you need, what you need to focus on and getting feedback on your life. And, and so stopping everything to examine your life for one. And then number two is, is, 
is really getting rid of, of what's not you. It's it's removing everything that that's not you and and uh, reduce your need item or or, or uh, that uh, piece in your life. There's a um, sign I always think of um, this quote that, that I always think of in simplifying your life is a sign in a monastery. Um, if there's anything that you need, please let us know. We'll show you how to get along without it. Hmm. Yeah. And so <laughs> simplifying your life to one sentence and then having less stuff. And because the more stuff you have, the more things you got to look after and uh, um, having less needs and uh, um, um, having less thoughts. One of the big differences between extraordinary performers and uh, everyone else is that they, they don't overanalyze as much. They don't think as much. They feel more. They sense more. They walk into a room and they are, or into any, any place and they just are able to um, be grateful, to sense, see more beauty than the rest of us and, and uh, um, to connect with that. And the way you do that is, is, is to stop judging and analyzing everything. And so um, less thoughts is a big one. And even less breaths. Most people um, over breathe and, and learning to breathe less in and out of the nose. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yeah. So um, I, I believe the science says that the ideal breath rate is uh, five to six breaths a minute. And most people are, are much more than that. And, and one of the things that I've been doing is, is uh, taping my mouth at night because I was a mouth breather. And, and so let's go. <laughs> Me too. No. Yeah. I'm a breathing. Coach That's Woody's well, bread so, and brother yeah. right there. Yeah. I, I'm like, so it's so awesome to hear that you tape your mouth because not a lot of people do it, but it makes such a difference. Like when your nose opens up throughout the night, you sleep so much better <laughs> without a doubt. So, um, okay. So number three is, is stillness to be still and, and to create more space in your life. Um, finding solitude, ruthlessly eliminating hurry from your life. And, uh, um, because I think unless you have space in your life, then it's, it's really hard to have peace, to have joy, to have that inner strength. You need space in your life. Otherwise your, your life's going to get cluttered. And then what I realized is that um, I, I used to hurry to try to reduce the stress in my life. So hurry, get it done so I could relax and, and, and have less stress. What I realized is that the hurry was the cause of the stress. And, and I love this mm. quote from John Orkberg. John, one thing that John said was that hurry is not a disordered schedule. It's a disordered heart. And that, that has meant so much to me because the heart is the source of all our actions and to really get your hierarchy of goals set up so and really, really realize what's at the very top. So um, to, to be still in your life is, is to find solitude and stillness and then, and then to, to take every one, once every seven days to, to stop all the busyness of doing pretty still. Number four is to speak the truth. And uh, it's to speak the truth about what's possible in your life every single day, what's possible and, and about who you are, that to know the truth about who you are, that your value does not come from your, from your performance. And, and it's also to not carry the past with you. To, to speak the truth is the discipline to speak the truth about the past to create possibilities mm -hmm. in the future. So, for example, 
um, most people are constantly talking about what I call the third world, the world of the past and future, the world of results and circumstances. And so they're constantly carrying their past with them. And they're carrying the past, a part of their past that they don't want to continue, but they keep talking about it. And they mm. say it as if it's present tense. Mm. And the reason why it's so important to say the past as past tense of what you don't want to continue is because your subconscious, which is closely connected to your heart, is running your life. And those are turning into beliefs. And every time we take ourselves out of the present moment and talk about the past as if it's present, we're carrying it with us. For example, you know, I work with a lot of pro golfers and, and a pro golfer might say, Jim, I'm struggling with my driver. And, uh, um, but it's not true because I don't care if, if uh, um, you're like superstar Henrik Stenson, who wasn't using his driver for, for a while before we met. It doesn't matter if you, it, how long you've been struggling with whatever you're dealing with. In that very moment, are you struggling with your putter or your driver? Like you're right in the middle of your backswing right now? No, so <laughs> no. the truth would be yeah. to say, I've struggled, past tense. In the That's past right. or the last oh. year, or the last month, or the last, I missed the last 10 putts in a row. So I've struggled with my putting. Um, so it's but, ultimately so just happens- changing up the verbiage. It's changing up how you speak to yourself about the failures in the past. Yes, because what's running our lives are our beliefs about who right. we are and what's possible. And beliefs come from everything you think, feel, and say, especially what you feel and feel comes from your thoughts. So are you pretty Feelings big into vision statements and stuff like that? Okay, so speaking the truth and having affirmations, when I was in college, you know, my dream was to be a major league baseball player. So I wrote on my wall in this, this affirmation, I am the best player amongst Washington's junior college players. And so it was right over my pillow. So I saw it every day. And then the end of the season, they had a vote for the best, for the MVP of the conference, which was Washington and Oregon. And my, what my coach said was that I tied with the guy from Oregon. So then Hmm. who do you think won when they re-voted? Because if, if I won, then I would have been the best player in Washington and Oregon, but my affirmation said, I'm the best player in Washington. Uh. And so they re-voted. He wins. So then what did that make me? Specificity right there. So that made right. me the best player in Washington, yeah. right? According to the yeah. voters. And so yeah. exactly, you know, only one person could say that that year. And and uh, um, that was what I wrote above my pillow. So that was um, something that obviously I've always remembered. Um, in the book, I talk about working with the softball player, University of Arizona, and how she really struggled her freshman year. And then we visualized getting the game-winning hit off the best pitcher in the country to win the World Series the following season, which is essentially what she did. And so, um, <laughs> that so, so that's cool. now. Now we're getting into uh, discipline number eight: imagine glory. But I'll, I'll I'll go one at a time. So, so four is to speak the truth, and then uh, five is to be grateful, gratitude. because gratitude, gratitude. is. is cl- closely linked to, to, uh, um, inner peace and inner peace closely linked to inner strength. And so the way to develop that skill is, is to look for the smallest moments of gratitude in your life every day, the better you are at seeing the smallest moments, the more closer to inner peace you're going to have and hence the inner strength. Hmm. And so the goal, the big goal is to see every, every single thing as a gift, because if you can 
get closer and closer to that, then we've got more inner peace and, and hence the inner strength. And so we want to look for the smallest, smallest moments and recall those. And, and uh, so that's, that's number five. And number six is, is, is celebrate. Ce- celebration is, is, uh, um, is, is so important. You know, I just, um, one of my clients is a Japan tour golfer and, uh, he's, he's, uh, had a lot of success recently. And he was asking me, um, you know, what about celebration? How do, how do we navigate celebration? And what I shared with him is, 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 uh, celebration is, is really important, but just make sure that you know what you're celebrating and, uh, mm. to celebrate yeah. the, the learning and growing and develop mastering your ego and, uh, um, the, celebrate the path that you're on, the best possible path, the one really seeking to walk in love and not fear and uh, learning to be selfless because, well, that's, that's discipline number, number nine, selfless is fearless. So, um, okay. So six is celebrates seven is to imagine glory. And that, that's uh, um, well, seven or seven or eight. I, I said it was eight before. So let's, let's call it number seven, imagine glory, which is, um, is to visualize the future. And when I say glory, I, I mean, um, the, uh, uh, infinite inherent worth of, of who you are and who God is that this is how, we're, what we were created to have this infinite inherent worth and that sort of glory and to imagine if anything was possible, what would you do with your life and be able to connect with that? Because when we're fully present, we can, um, there's two things that really happen when you're connected to beauty and uh, you feel a sense of awe and wonder from that connection to beauty. And then it, you have the feeling that anything's possible. So um, imagine glory is, is, is number seven. Number eight is to fuel your soul. And that's, uh, we all have some sort of religion. We all have something that, that we're worshiping. You know, David Foster Wallace talks about that. And there's something at the top of our list that we're giving up our lives for. And so every day we, we are filling our heart and our mind with stuff, with, with words and thoughts and images. And, and uh, um, if you want to live an extraordinary life, then we need to be very intentional about what you put into your mind and hence your heart. And so intentionally fuel it every day by what you watch, what you read, what you listen to, who you talk to, how you arrange your environment. And make sure that it's filled with love and, and wisdom and, and courage. Mm. And then the ninth one is is to be selfless, selfless um, to to really um, have a purpose beyond your life that you're going to devote your life to, and, and to um, walk in love. It's, it's uh, unconditional love. Is is really to um, to to be able to have the fearlessness to serve others, to give up your life for for others, and have that as your top purpose allows you to live a fearless life and and a joyful one. Mm. Oh man, those are great. I mean, I I feel like I have 10 questions on each of those pillars. (laughs) Um, Right. Might might have to read the book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I have a question um, just kind of as it relates to uh, young adults right now, you know, getting in the workforce, we're all kind of figuring out where, where we, you know, where we fit into the society um, and selfishness is a big part of that, you know, especially for, for young adults. And maybe if they don't, um, you know, if they're just grinding in their career or whatever, that they're looking for money for themselves. They're maybe not thinking of others so much. 
Um, is there, how do you get to a paradigm shift of getting into selflessness and not caring so much about, oh, me, me, what's going to happen with me? I got this big promotion. I got, you know, whatever it may be in my life that's going on that I care about to then transferring that to, man, I'm happy for that person's success or, or man, I want to help that person out and really remove self from, because it's easy to get caught up in the ego, especially in your early twenties and after school, and you're trying to, you know, find a job that, that works and all that. So do you have any advice as to how to navigate that situation? Yeah. Well, I think one thing is to really understand that fear is the biggest challenge that we all face in performance and in life. Fear, fear is the, is the problem. And most of fear comes from self-centeredness huh. and what I, what I mean by that is, is that not, um, as humans, we have to take care of ourselves, right? We've got to feed ourselves. We've got to look both ways when we cross the street. We've got to think about ourselves a lot, yeah. lot just to get through life. And, you know, what am I going to eat next? And, and so it's, it's important to think about yourself. But the problem is the more that we think about ourselves, the more our subconscious is going to remind us of our shortcomings and our failures and it's going to know our weaknesses and, and we're going to start comparing with others. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we start comparing with others, then we lose our joy, we lose our peace. And, uh, um, and then we start to get into this, this uh, tension and, and uh, negativity and frustration, anxiety, that leads to fear. Mm-hmm. And so um, understand that the more we're caught up in ourselves, the more we're moving towards fear. And so um, in general, and uh, um, that's why selfless is is fearless. Because if you were to um, walk out the door and you see um, a dead man on the sidewalk, and you said, uh, "Dude, your shoes are ugly, man." And I mean, is is he uh, offended? Is is he embarrassed? Is he irritated? Like, there's zero percent of him that is irritated. Yeah, because he's dead. Because that guy is completely selfless. Now, the more Jim Murphy gets involved when I walk out that door and, and if someone says uh, something that's mean or, or rude, the more I'm going to be irritated or offended or embarrassed. And so I want to live a fearless life. And so I don't want Jim Murphy to be the center of my thoughts. I want to have the purpose of my life to be flowing through my mind every moment. And that's to share God's love, wisdom, and courage with athletes and leaders around the world. And I want that. That's not going to change based on my circumstances and whether I do a good job or not, or whether people like it or not. Wow. Wow. Wow, That's awesome. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I have one more question for you before we get out of here. Um, So for players going through injuries and injuries being a big uh, focus on like right in the middle of their athletic careers, how do they overcome that mental block of the recovery from that injury? Because a lot of it is psychological, right? And so being able to, you know, get past that, I did have that injury, but still being able to play all in because you can't just, you know, give it half of the work or else you're not going to, you know, be your best self. And so how do we come over, overcome those mental blocks? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, well, I talked about mental blocks in, in uh, chapter nine, I think it is, and fears and phobias and how to overcome those. 
But there's a couple of things. And one is to recognize that if I want to achieve my greatest goals, I have to learn how to face adversity and how to welcome it and, and how to be ready to fail in, in a big way. Because if I want to play against, like with, when I work with pro athletes, they're, they're playing against the best in the world. And if you're not, a, um, if you're afraid to fail in a big way against the best in the world, it's like you're climbing this mountaintop and the higher you get, the more people are going to be seeing you and judging you and, and uh, criticizing you on social media. And so you need to be willing to, to take that risk of fail in a big way. And injuries are a part of that. Are you, are you willing to, to sell out 100% and fail or get injured? But a big problem, big challenge that people have with injuries is subconscious fear of it happening again. And they may not even know, they may think, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll go do it again. But there could be 1% holding them back that they're, that they're unable to even realize and that's because it's the subconscious trying to protect us. And that's why we need to get into things I talk about in chapter nine about how you can reprogram that, that memory. And I'll give you a quick little example is if you had, say you're an NHL hockey player and you had an injury in a certain part of the ice in a certain part of the game, and we're going to want to go in and, and uh, rewire that memory. And they talk about that in chapter nine by, excuse me, by replaying it. And seeing the slightest change that you could have done that would have likely would have prevented that injury and then seeing yourself making that change and then bringing in good feelings into that memory from the past. Um, and so that's part of this rewiring that needs to be done. We need to get the subconscious information that can say, hey, this is not going to happen again. You can let it go. Oh, awesome. awesome. That's a great tool. Definitely. Well, I think uh, we're running out of time here because we're coming up on that hour mark. But it was uh, anything you'd like to say before we get you out of here? Like any last thoughts or um, tips or tricks for anyone? Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I'm down here at YWAM Mexico um, Youth with a Mission. And, and I met these guys through their uh, Homes of Hope program. And I think the bottom line is, is really thinking I want most in my life and, and uh, um, how can I pursue that beyond whatever that, that uh, third world outcome or goal is. But Jim, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. I mean, I know your time is valuable. Um, I'm very grateful that we were able to, uh, that Woody was able to introduce me to you and that I can't wait to start reading this book. I mean, I'll probably start later this evening once I'm done editing this podcast. Um, but I just wanted to thank you um, for your selflessness on hopping on this podcast and helping out our listeners. Um, and geez, I mean, you, you've shared tremendous amounts of, of knowledge and, and, uh, and, and points to really help people uh, find their purpose and, and get to living their life to the fullest. So I want to thank you. And, um, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks so much yeah. for having me, guys. Look yeah. forward to chatting. Uh, more. It, was, it was an absolute pleasure. And where can we find you? Um, email or social media that you have yeah the book uh, is uh, inner excellence is on amazon so that's the best place to get that and then uh, I'm, I'm on uh, instagram inner excellence jim murphy and then twitter twitter is inner excellence as well and facebook perfect awesome thanks awesome. we'll link that in the description yes we will well all right, guys. Well, very good podcast. Thank you so much, Jim, for, for uh, hopping on today. Woody. Oh, okay. Nice one more thing. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. 
There, there is one other thing that I want to share that I have a newsletter that I share on the first and third Friday of the month. Mm. And uh, it's called the VIP newsletter. And so it's just a free coaching awesome. article I send out um, first and third Friday. And you just go on to the website, interexcellence.com and then uh, uh, sign up there. And um, so they can sign go. up. They can sign up for the newsletter on your website then. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, you guys. I hope you took something out of this podcast. I know you did. Um, We'll be looking forward to our podcast next Wednesday. Thanks again to Jim for joining us this morning, and we will catch you next week. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.